Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's a show that's probably going to be filled with mixed emotions over the next hour or so as we talk all things South East Queensland football. It's James Scott and Adam with you as we continue our socially distanced Skype recording. And uh, Adam, I just want to make sure no filters on your screen at the moment. No, uh, I don't think it's a cat. Oh, something look like a cat, but no. <laughs> that's right. And uh, Scott, I. I don't look too much like an ogre, do I? No, no, not not, not normally. Occasionally you can, but it's a rare thing. <laughs> yes, and this is, yes, Brisbane Football Review. Uh, find us on Wooshka, Spotify, iTunes. You can also find our social accounts. Facebook is The Raw Review. Still working on changing that. Twitter, at BNE Football. Email, uh, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. And that's all the plugs I think I need to get through. And I really should go back to writing these down. It's been a very long week for me, so I could get a little bit loopy tonight, guys. Isn't that a good sign? Oh, we love it when you're loopy. It lets us get loopy. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and given what we have coming up a bit later in the show, that might be a good thing. Yeah, that's it. I'll try not to get distracted by uh, Nick Kyrgios just over my shoulder as well on the TV. But I really can't promise anything. And also still tracking the... Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers Melbourne victory game as well. Of course, we will get into segment one now and talk about the Raw's A-League matches over the past week. And we'll start with the very, very good. And that was Saturday afternoon up at Dolphin Stadium, a 5-2 win for the Brisbane Raw over Melbourne victory. It was a pretty, in, you know, um, it was a pretty crazy performance in the first half. The Raw were up 3-0 after 18 minutes with goals from Dylan Wenzel Hall, Scott McDonald, and I believe Riku Danzaki. That's correct, Adam? That's correct. Okay, good. I was paying attention, I swear. And yeah, the Raw, they really came out firing. And there was just enough of a tactical change from what we saw against Adelaide a week before that it really did seem to catch the victory off guard. It did. Before I get into that, anyone who wants to see a really good Brisbane Raw performance should find out games that I'm not going to be at because they all tend to be absolute crackers. And this was absolutely <laughs> that case. I know it was very hot up there on Saturday afternoon, James. I can tell you it was no no better off wearing a suit at Cirame Winery, so I can tell you that. But look, this was... It was a bit of an evolution of what we saw from the game against Adelaide the week before. And tactically, there were two things that the Raw did here which were... which victory had absolutely no answers to whatsoever. The first of which was the quick switches of play. Every single time they did it... And there weren't, that, there weren't too many of them, but they were every time they did it, they were able to get the fullbacks forward in space to get really good crosses into the middle. And that was... That's something we've seen a bit of in the in the last couple of weeks with the three at the back system that they've been going with. I think the two centre-backs plus the midfielders really do help with that. So the ability to get the ball wide with switches and catch victory napping in terms of space on that opposite flank was really good. The other thing was the, the ability to play the ball straight through the middle a couple of times. And you saw that with the first goal for Wenzel Halls and also the, the one where... Gillespie just ran straight through like Franz Beckenbauer as it's been dubbed, <laughs> setting up the, go- the goal for Riku. So they're the two things that worked really, really well. And they're two different approaches as well. And if you can execute both those sorts of things, it makes you hard to plan for because you can't cover the flanks and cover the middle. 
So I thought it was a really good performance. Uh, Victory were terrible. Let's just be clear about that. They were, they weren't at the races whatsoever. But the Raw were fantastic on Saturday. We do like to focus on the positive, though, Adam. Yeah, look, and it's a case of um, that first 17 minutes, which uh, is a new A League record for three three goals for one for a team. Um, that, that, that was shock and awe stuff. That that basically, um, I think the inclusion of uh, Josh Brindle South for his debut, I just think that completely caught um, caught victory off guard because they they know what to expect from you know the usual fullbacks of of uh, Corey Brown and Jack Hingert, but Brindle South even goes even further as far as he he almost becomes an extra attacker. And um, yeah, the in the first twenty minutes of that game, um, the victory defence just seemed absolutely clueless. And that's when I say clueless, that's um, you know an experienced hand like a Ryan Shotton. You know that they were just absolutely routed, and um, yeah, raw in that first twenty minutes just were magnificent. Yeah, they were, and it's hard to fault that. And I, I once again, I put this down as another win for Warren Moon's tactical flexibility here, where he put a side out and he. He decided to really, you know, uh, play Dylan uh, Wenzel Halls through the centre. And he went after uh, one of the victory centre-backs that wasn't Ryan Shotton. Uh, drawing a blank on his name. Uh, uh, Dylan Ryan. There it is, thank you. Yes. And yeah, Wenzel Halls just gave him absolute fits all mm. afternoon. And, look, maybe I'm imagining it now, but I could have I sworn, you know, you saw Dylan Ryan just sitting there about 25 minutes in going, I can't believe I came to Queensland for this. Mm. It, it was a horrible like it was a horribly rough showing for the uh, Melbourne victory and the raw to their credit really put them to the sword and going into halftime at 4-2 what was perhaps most impressive was the fact that they just went all right 4-2 we're fine we are now going to close this match out and you know they I honestly think had they kept going at that pace they could have easily won the game 7 or 8-2 but instead they just decided not now we're going to take our foot off the brakes and get ready for uh, a match in three or four days. Yeah, that seemed to be the approach in the final half hour. There were a fair few changes made to, give, to freshen things up a bit, and I think there was probably one eye on the game last night, but I just thought the first half, it was... We talked about the Adelaide game and how good that was. This was a complete level up again, wasn't it, in the way... They they seemed to be able to make fast starts more often than not, and that's a... In, the, in these conditions up here in Queensland this time of year, it's something you can really catch teams out with in terms of the humidity, even if you don't get the impact or the breakthrough immediately, you can wear them down for later. And I thought it was really, really good. They targeted Dylan Ryan and that and the left back. Was it Adama Traore at left back? I yeah, think it was, wasn't Traore, it? Yeah. Yep. They targeted that side a lot, didn't they? And it was, it's no surprise to the three of us and local football fans what um, Josh Brindle South did on, on Saturday afternoon because we've seen it for three, four years now in the NPL system. This is, that's exactly what he, what he is. If you were going to try and describe what sort of player he is just show the highlights of that game because that's exactly what he is and it was again no surprise to any of us but he was ex- he was really good wasn't he and I think I, I still think that Jack Hingott and Corey Brown are the preferred fullbacks but as we've seen now Josh Brindle South's ready to step in and, and not miss a beat and I thought it was really good the way he came in and on that as well obviously you know you, it does help having that squad depth to call on where you've got Brindle South as the third choice fullback he can play left and right, so he is mm. that perfect backup and occasional fill-in for Jack King. And, uh, in the press conference afterwards, uh, Warren Moon said it is basically just load management for Hingett because I feel like that, you know, full, uh, fullback or wide midfielder or whatever position you want to call them, that's probably the most physically draining spot in the entire team because you've basically got to run byline to byline, yeah. and 
it requires an insane level of fitness, especially in the Queensland heat. And, you know, I do think uh, perhaps there was a little bit of a favour done there for Corey Brown where he was able to patrol that left touchline in the shade for most of the second half. Yeah, and that's, yeah, we can't understand, especially the way the Raw play their football, is that, yeah, the uh, wing backs and the, or the full backs, they run, you know, basically end-to-end for 90 minutes. And that's, that's not something, mind you, that's come in from, you know, from the Warren Mooney. That, that's been something that's, that's Raw... 101 football That's for Stead, isn't it? Yeah, for, for the last you know decade. So so yeah, so it's no surprise that obviously uh fit but the one thing about Josh Brindle South that you know that we are starting to learn is that you know he can play both sides of the ball of the of the field successfully as well. And um and yeah, look I thought for his for his debut performance for the club, um his fifth cap A League, the first one for about seven years, look I thought he never missed a beat. Yeah, he definitely looks like he settled in really well and well, I, I go back to, once again, just overall management. It does feel like Moon has just tried to really simplify things so this team can play fast. And we saw, we, like we've seen in pretty much every match uh, this season, they pick their spot when to try and put their foot on the accelerator. And most of the time, it's worked out. Just before we get on to that, it is, I think it was 2014, Josh Pindle South played a couple of games for Wellington. So it's a pretty bizarre one mm-hmm. to wait so long after getting the initial chance. But, yeah, I think it's it's about picking your spots, as you said, James, but you've also got to have players in the side who can play fast. And I think the rule with Riku coming in, Champness coming in, we haven't seen too much of him so far, Wenzel Halls is a more more prominent part of the side. They've got the players in there who can play fast. And I think that's what you need to be able to do. it. Last year, I don't think they could play fast because they didn't have enough players in there who suit that style of play. So now that they've got the players who can do it, I think they, I think that it's it's what this team is most suited to do. And that was also a big surprise, is the fact that it was just so stupidly hot on Saturday as Scott was uh, in his suit at... You were at a wedding, weren't you? I was at my cousin's wedding. Congratulations to my cousin, Chris. I was cursing him at 20 minutes into watching the replay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I, I did feel for the uh, victory fans over in the away bay, just purely because uh, one of the guys I work with was sitting over there and... Uh, what was quite funny he texted me when the Raw were up 3-0 just having a joke saying oh yeah gonna win 4-3 uh, better make it 5-4 how about 6-5 <laughs> so it seems like from what I can tell like they even the away fans really love the trip up to Redcliffe as well so it's good but what I was going to it's good to see uh, some away fans there actually I know there's a lot of them up here from Melbourne but it was good to see some away fans at Dolphin for pretty much oh Perth had a few last year but good to see it for the first time this year yeah, especially with the draw obviously being in a massive state of flux. So, yeah, well done to the Victory fans for sitting out in the sun. But I was just surprised at how frantically the Raw were able to play just in that heat and uh, humidity because it wasn't pleasant. I was sitting in the shade up the top of the Western Grandstand. Yep. And it was still really hot up there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, exactly it. Well, it was pretty oppressive conditions. You know, obviously, um, it's almost like the uh, polar opposite. Yeah, people sort of complaining about the A15, which actually turned about nine o'clock kickoff. Um, yeah, you know, against Adelaide. Now, obviously, they're they don't have a four o'clock kickoff uh, local time, and it's it's too hot. So it's uh, I think if we get that prime time slot, I think it might be just right conditions wise. But um, but one thing is also as well, it's probably worth mentioning all this, was the performance of Scott McDonald. That um, second goal that he scored, uh, which really sort of came out of nothing. It was, in fact, it was, a, it was sort of a mistimed clearance from Dylan Ryan. Um, and he just he just rifled in on the volley from you know, 30 yards out. Um, that was just... Um, 
that was just brilliant. And uh, yeah, that really sort of you knew that it was going to be one of those days. Yeah, it was. I where I was sitting uh, up in the alternate media box at the back of the Western Grandstand. There was still pizza, thankfully. Um, <laughs> it, I had the perfect angle of that goal. We were sitting there. And you could just see it start off outside that uh, left-handed post as he struck it and just bending back in. And, oh, that's that's going to be a goal I'm going to watch quite a lot over the next month or so because I don't think he hit that strike much better. Uh, but on Scott McDonald as well, I did like uh, seeing him. It was about 10 minutes to go. game was clearly in hand. The rule were just riding out the clock. He was in about 15 metres of space. No victory defenders around him on halfway. And Jamie Young uh, was about to kick it out from a goal kick, and he was just sitting there going, please not to me, please not to me. <laughs> I, I've done my work for the day. And as it turns out, yeah. he was on the uh, Premier League coverage for Optus that night, so go figure. Um, oh, but there yeah, you go. Look, hmm. I'm really enjoying the new role Scott McDonald is playing as well, where he is happy to take that sort of second fiddle role to Dylan Wenzel-Halls, and he seems to be just relishing in it as well. And I know I've spoken about his probable future as a coach. That's probably the most encouraging sign of it all Adam where he is just happy to play that on-field mentor role and just pop up when he needs to well I think Warren Moon has definitely found uh, where you know where in this side he seems to fit and it's not it's not that out and out number nine anymore that you know he's basically allowing Dylan Wonsall Halls to be that nine and he, he's almost playing like either like a false nine or even even sort of you know, a number ten as far as far as you know it's sort of creating a bit more Create a bit more and sort of just really sort of, you know, you know, create opportunity. And you saw again even in the game uh, last night, which we'll get to shortly, um, you can tell that he's you know, sort of becoming a more creative playmaker role rather than just that waiting around, you know, being that out and out striker. And I think I think it suited him. But we did we did mention that, you know, in the season previews so that that's probably where he was destined to be, and it's just great to see it work out. He's playing the consummate team role at the moment, isn't he, James? He's just doing whatever he's been asked to do. He might want to be that outright number nine, which we saw him do last year when he first arrived, but for the most part this year, he has played that false nine slash dual number ten role with Riku, really. They kind of take one side each in that playmaking role, and then you have Jay O'Shea and Akbari a bit deeper in the midfield, almost like a square midfield at times in that sense. So I think he's just doing what the team requires him to do, and we know his quality. We've seen it ever since he's arrived. He's had such a massive impact on the way this side has played in terms of revolutionising that front third, which wasn't quite working at the time before he got here. It's, he's just doing whatever it takes at the moment. It's, I think it does... It, we know he's going to move into coaching at some point, and he's, he's setting himself up really well for it because he's doing the team thing. So when you turn around and ask, as a coach, to do the team thing, players, then if you've done it, then they can't complain if you ask them to do it. So I think he's doing a really good job for the team, and he's the hold-up players, again, it's what most impresses me about him. He's not the biggest... He's not the strongest, but he always seems to be able to hold the ball up when the Raw really need him to. Yep, definitely. Okay, one more story on this game I do want to touch. Well, two more, actually, but uh, the second one's just a quick stat rather than anything else. Uh, Jamie Young came back after an injury that we thought was going to rule him out for six weeks. I'll I'll lead off by saying I don't think he was anywhere near 100%, but he was still more than capable for the most part. I don't really think you can blame him for either of the goals he conceded. Obviously, there was a spectacular free kick from uh, Jake Bringer, Brimmer on the uh, stroke of half time, And, yeah, the first one was just a bit of a... Uh, maybe he could have come out and been a bit more aggressive at the near post, but really, that's just nitpicking in my mind. But overall, he seemed pretty, pretty stable, I think. 
Yeah, um, I like so on last week's show. I said that you know I thought that maybe Magnum Freight should be given given one more opportunity, but uh, obviously they I guess if they feel if Jamie Young is almost right to go, um, play him. And uh, yeah, look, the first goal really was more a brilliant play by Adama Traore that found. Um, I well, there's still big conjecture on it whether it was um, Tom Alder's own goal or uh, Louis. Uh, Louis Laurie Latanzio, who got the last touch. Either way, that we got one back. Um, but yeah, that, that was sort of fairly unfortunate. And yeah, what do you say about the Brimmer uh, goal? I, I, he got, he got, he beat him at the far post. Um, there's not much you can say about yeah. that. It's just well taken. Yeah, it, we kind of thought James, if he was going to be in the squad, Jamie Young, he was going to play. They mm. weren't going to bring him back and sit him on the bench. So when he was named in the squad. On Friday, was it the squad list yeah. came out? Once you knew, once they knew what the two keepers were in the squad, you knew he was going to play. It is a great effort that we talked about last week to be able to get back from a four to six week injury in just two weeks. Yeah, it says a lot about uh, Young's work ethic, and uh, seems like as he continues to play, it'll get stronger and stronger. Uh, the other uh, notes from the match: Josh Brindle South was debutant number one seven five, and towards the end of the match, we saw an A League debut for Keegan Yelisic, and he became. Raw A League player one or Raw Men's player one seven six, yep. so, according to Scott's counting. So if there is anyone listening at the Gold Coast Sports and Leisure Centre who may <laughs> dispute those counts, take it up with Scott. I would welcome that actually if they want to um, confirm or deny my well, they, accuracy. I would I would appreciate that actually. So please do. <laughs> I don't think I think they are they actually are recognise it because. Um, like I said, we've done this for about 130, and there's never been any complaints. So I think the only one that might actually have the numbers correct would be might be Andy Al. But other than that, I think you're the man, Scott. As far as yeah, I think the dispute is more. I count all competitions in terms of milestone appearances. The raw count A League appearances, so that <laughs> tends to be where some of the discrepancies happen. So yeah, Asian Champions League, preseason tournaments, FFA Cup, etc. No, just FFA Cup and Champions League. That's it. Real games. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. Just making sure. Um, then, last night, it was a very, very different uh, set of conditions for the Raw to deal with as they took on MacArthur FC for the first time up at uh, Redcliffe. It was not all that overcast, but very, very breezy and much cooler. And it wasn't quite the same level of performance that we saw from the Raw, was it, Scott? So went down 2 No, it wasn't. And Adam mentioned earlier it was too late to, for the Adelaide game, too hot for the victory game, get it in the middle, it'll be just right. Well, Adam, I can tell you it wasn't just right. It was windy and quite cool up there at MacArthur <laughs> last night, so it wasn't quite right. But no, this was a very, very different game, wasn't it, James? The first time they played against MacArthur FC, and as we've seen in, in recent times against teams that were all played for the first You're time listening the to the Brisbane Football Review. The we'll be back after this. Basket. This was a game where both teams, I think, were pretty flat. After playing on Saturday, two, two big games over the weekend, a quick turnaround on, on a Tuesday night, you could tell that they were both pretty flat. They went different ways about it, James. MacArthur made seven changes to their side from the weekend. Brisbane went with the team that won so convincingly. And I think in the end, MacArthur's strategy was better, but I don't think it was a decisive either way. I just thought that MacArthur's plan was really clear what they were going to do. They were going to come up to Brisbane. They were going to stifle the game and stay in the game for an hour. And then they look at the players on the bench. They had Benyat, Ivan Franjic, Matt Darbyshire and Markel Soussaita on their bench. They had four players there who they knew they were going to bring on for that extra dose of quality. And that's in the end what told. It was actually young Jake Holman who came on as well. And he was the one who sparked the opening goal. But that's what their plan was. And it worked to perfection for Ante Milicic. 
Yeah, look, I think it's um, exactly. I agree with Scott. I think that the game sort of really did suffer from the fact is that you know both sides had you know tough games. You know, you know on Saturday, seventy-two hour turnaround. Um, look, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, MacArthur won two 0 but uh, it was a bit. Of Bit of brilliant play from uh, Jake Holman to find uh, Des Jonro, you know, in the middle to open scoring, and then uh, Matt Derbyshire's goal right at the end. Which look, it's, it's for me, it's, it's almost like an empty net goal in ice hockey. That one, um, look, and it was actually very well taken. I'm just watching the replay before, and uh, actually to appreciate actually the level of skill that um, that Derbyshire showed on that to chip Jamie Young. I, I very doubt yeah. that you know many strikers in this league at the moment actually would have the audacity to do it. So look, that's well done to him and um, look at the end of the day it's one of those games where it was a it was a stalemate for 70 minutes and one side or another was always going to sort of you know if they got the first goal they're always going to go on and win it and that was MacArthur so well done you know I think Raw be a little bit disappointing however you know what it doesn't underscore that's been a very very good run for them and maybe this is something that might ground them a little bit Absolutely. Jake Holman looked a really good young player, didn't he? When he came on, you could just see how energetic he was. He added something to that MacArthur front third because they seemed a bit flat, really, in that front third. I think he came on as a direct swap for Tommy Orr. So mm. I, I, he did come on and add quite an impact. It's yet another young player, James, who's come into the A-League and is taking his opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And he, I honestly thought he was probably the most impactful player in that match was um, Coleman. Just in terms of the overall sub, what are you laughing at, Scott? I'm just laughing. I've got the tennis on the other half of my screen here. Ah, there we go. Yeah, so I've, I've got it off the corner of my eye as well. So might not be the most uh, focused edition of the Brisbane Football Review, but... I'm focused. <laughs> on what? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I, I honestly feel like as much as like a lot of the Raw's wins seem to have come from Warren Moon making the right tactical decisions, it did seem like the Raw opted for a little bit more of a patient, deliberate build-up which, you know, was brought about by the circumstances of MacArthur essentially just sitting back and saying, bring it on, we'll just close out all the space. And they did that so effectively. Anthony Golek as well, he was phenomenal. And like uh, Wenzel Hall's had minimal luck against him. I think he got by and hit the post once. And it was honestly just a case of, for me, a team that set out and said, no, we're not going to defeat. We're not going to concede at all costs and just try and sucker punch the raw on the counter, and they did. And look, they were a bit flat, and I think maybe there was a little bit of frustration coming in because, well, against Adelaide, against the victory, and even against uh, Newcastle before then, when they decided to really go for it, the raw were more than happy to, or were more than capable of scoring the goals. And yeah, I just felt like overall, it was just a little bit of a flat performance, and you know, it is... It is the byproduct of playing with that high octane style, where it just doesn't always, uh, you know, have that payoff. Before we go to, into too much more depth on this match, let's hear from uh, Brisbane Royal head coach Warren Moon after the match. Yeah, it is. It's uh, always tough when we you get beaten, and uh, you know we don't profess to say we were amazing tonight. We knew the turnaround would be difficult for both sides, not just us. Um, but I certainly felt we had a fair amount of control. Um, actually at the point where they scored that first goal. So that was most disappointing from our perspective, but it is what it is and we have to uh, take it and move on. All right, that was Warren Moon after the match uh, last night. And look, I, as we were talking about before we recorded, Scott, you were saying like, and I think you as well, Adam, you're glad that he's not really, 
losing his mind over it. Like, we know the rule weren't going to win every single match and conquer all before them this season. And those sorts of setbacks, I suppose, are somewhat inevitable. But I, I, I do think that maybe this was a little bit of a wake-up call for the rule where they're not going to be able to just roll through at will. Yeah, and Warren Moon did mention this in his press conference last night. It wasn't in that clip there, but he did talk about they did what they weren't getting ahead of themselves. They weren't becoming overconfident. But this is a this is a sign that even if you're doing a lot of things right, and the Raw did do quite a few things right last night, they were pretty unlucky not to get the result. It was clearly one of those games where it was going to be first goal wins, and it happened in this case to go to Macarthur. They didn't do a lot wrong, and you could sense that while there was some disappointment and maybe a bit of frustration at not getting the result. Warren seemed quite a bit up, almost upbeat a bit in that last night because they did still create quite a number of chances in that game, but just on the on the night they didn't go in. So I don't think there's a lot. I don't think there's a lot to dissect in terms of what went wrong last night. It just it just didn't quite go right for them for the first time in a while. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, raw 19 shots they had, uh, you know, last night. So they were obviously still creating chances. They're still, you know, some good chances. Uh, they just, um, yeah, they just didn't go in. And um, look, it's something that the raw need to go back and, and work on. But uh, I don't think, yeah, it's it, it's certainly not uh, doomsday as far as you know. Oh, it's it's all, yeah, you know, that's the end of the run now. It's all going to go downhill from here. Just, they've, um, like I said, they were just um, outplayed last night by a team that certainly had a very very good game plan. And for them last night. It worked, but again, if if um you know Dillman's or Hall's shot you now in the 60th minute goes in, um when when he hit the post, we may be talking about you know five straight wins for the first time since 2011. So look, it's it's just one of those games where you move on, you live and learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was just for me like Macarthur won that game just mentally rather than anything they did physically. They came up with a game plan. It was well brought. It was well put together by Ante Milicic as well. I do worry a little bit, though. Is that going to be a blueprint that we see some other coaches try and replicate as the season goes along, where they say, all right, well, we know if we've got a couple of good centre-backs, we can give them a few troubles when they're going forward. And is that something that we could be seeing teams try to do a little bit more against the rule? Kind of like under the uh, Postacoglu days, where we saw Graham Arnold very effectively... uh, just really stifle that raw attack. Well, not too successfully given well, what happened in most of those games. But I think West Sydney Wanderers is a good example as well because when they first came in, they tried that and took it to the next level as well. And they had a lot of success in the first year or so against the Brisbane Raw, winning more games than not against what was a really good side then. So I do think there's um, it's certainly a blueprint you can try, James, but you've got to have the players to do it. You've got to have bo- You've got to have the players who have the mental mindset to be able to play that way. It's all well and good saying, yeah, we've got a couple of good centre-backs, we've got a, a nice holding midfielder. That's all well and good, but do they have that mindset to actually sit there and be disciplined and take up the space where the Raw want to be? If you've got the players who can do it, it's absolutely a tactic that that you can use. And I'm sure some teams will try it in the next few weeks now, having seen how successful it was last night. But you've got to have the right players to do it. And also, I think, yeah, just the Raw didn't seem to have that running in their legs to really hit that top gear the way they did before and um, I think that the changes on the hour told that really didn't it they seemed like both teams had a whole bunch of pre-programmed plans on the hour to freshen things up it was quite obvious yeah and I will say I did like the uh, inclusion of Joey Champness it felt like he really came on with a point to prove as well so that is one of those things we're going to be seeing and we talked about Scott McDonald in the victory game it's interesting seeing like the fact that he's keeping a Masato Kudo on the bench as well so 
obviously the Raw are going to have to manage their squad. You know, it's going to be a frantic run home, possibly insanely frantic, uh, depending on how a certain continental competition qualification goes. But, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Adam, final thoughts on the MacArthur game? Yeah, look, as, as I said, um, yeah, it, it's a case of... Um, Look, it's back to drawing board, but uh, just just on the uh, Raw's record, as, as Scott alluded earlier, um, Raw's record against expansion teams is not very, very good, and that's uh, their third straight defeat to um, ex- expansion team in their inaugural meeting. So uh, let's just hope that's not things to come in the future. But uh, yeah, that's uh, just usual trivia more than anything else. Scott, yeah, I meant thoughts. to look. I meant to look that up today actually in terms of what the Raw's record was the first time they played unique opponents for the first time, and I know it's not. It's not great, because obviously they lost to MacArthur, they lost to Western United last year, they lost to the Wanderers the first time they played them, they lost to Gold Coast United the yep, first time they played is. against them. They drew to North Queensland Fury yep. up in up in Townsville, and the rest of them in, I don't quite have off the top of uh, my two, so, uh, We'll two. focus on New Zealand Knights, James. The first time they played New Zealand Knights, that went pretty well. Yeah, yeah. beat be, be Wellington, be Wellington Phoenix uh, 4-1, and beat Melbourne Heart 4-0. There in you case, go. So, in case and then, as I said... In case you're wondering what we do in our spare time, it's look up random stats like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's pretty much the last week in terms of Brisbane Raw football. The W League side were on a bye. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there hasn't been plenty of news surrounding the W League side. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you, Scott. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, we do have to do the 3 2 ones for the match for the BFR Player of the Year. Now, who's doing the victory game? I've got victory game and Adam's got MacArthur, I think. So okay, Scott, your three. So I'll jump in here. I got three points for Dylan Wenzel Halls. I thought he was superb on Saturday afternoon in that clash, narrowly edging Riku Danzaki, who I've given two, and I could have given another one vote to a whole host of people, but I gave it to Macaulay Gillespie. Okay, and Adam for MacArthur. Okay, yeah. So for MacArthur game last night, three points for Macaulay Gillespie. I thought, despite. Um, Despite everything, I thought he played very well, um, sort of both defensively and in attack. Uh, two points, Josh Brindle South. I thought he, he did well um, down that down right-hand side and also as well uh, cleared a couple of balls off the line. And one point, I thought Raman Akbari, I thought had his probably his best game uh, since, you know, sort of being a regular starter. So that's how my 3-2-1s went. Yep, that makes sense. Okay, thank you for that reminder, Scott. Now, we're going to go on to the new segment and talk about what was, I would say, probably the best news uh, from Brisbane Raw uh, this week, and that came out Monday morning as I was going to the uh, going into the office for the Super Bowl. got to see the news that Katrina Gorry has announced that she's pregnant, which probably also explains why she hasn't been in the squad the last couple of weeks. So congratulations to Katrina on that news. I think we're going to have the future Matilda or Socceroo due in about August by the sounds of it. No pressure on the kid, of course. <laughs> Could be playing in the same team as uh, as the young Yallop as well. Oh, it it is great it is great news, isn't it? It's great to see great news for Katrina and her family. I wish her all the best over the next few months with that. But it is quite remarkable when you think about it because Katrina was probably playing those games earlier in the year while she was pregnant. And to think about some of the early performances, the Melbourne City game from Katrina was absolutely fantastic, and there was the goal against Canberra. So it's quite remarkable. I think I think she actually commented. I think she scored for two that night. So, <laughs> so yeah. But looking, congratulations to Katrina Gorin. What What's more heartening as well is just seeing the level of reaction across 
across the uh, football you know, land, landscape, you know, once the news broke that you know universally from the top down, you know, it's a, such a, it's such a great uh, thing. And look, she's going she's sacrificing uh, the Olympics, obviously, but uh, hopefully back for the 2023 World Cup. And you know, to to be honest, I would not put it past her to to get there. So, but obviously, there's more important things in her future, in her immediate future, and I think we all wish her well. Definitely. Well, of course, there was going to be a universally positive reaction. Who on who in their right mind would hate Gory? So, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, no, I mean just just the level and how how quickly yeah. the congratulations went out. Like, no, yes. you're, you're right. I'd be yeah. I'd be mortified to see anyone you know reacting the other way. But just just the level and just how quickly it got out and all the all the words that came out. I think that was such a wonderful uniting moment for the football community. Definitely. And still a great experience around the squad, James, because well, I'm sure Katrina will be at training whenever she can be and providing her experience and knowledge to the midfield at the Raw. So, well, Katrina's not going to be playing, still going to be an invaluable resource for the squad this year. Yeah, it's, also worth, it's also worth knowing that a very, very decent, um, I guess, I don't think you can call it injury replacement, but an addition to the squad mm-hmm. this week with the announcement of Larissa Crummer, the uh, Socceroo, who we, who we actually did Matilda. spot a few months ago. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course. I'm, no, I'm chaining my dinner, Tim Cahill, at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, Matilda, Larissa Crummer. Uh, yeah, so who we saw actually training with the squad um, a couple of months back. She's actually now officially signed. She was named in the squad to take on uh, West Sydney Wanderers tomorrow night. She will be in there. And uh, we will get on to the W League match previews before too long. But... Um, well, it was good news. It is also a somewhat somber date for the Roar, I believe, Scott, with uh, the anniversary of Liam Miller's passing. Yes, it was three years ago today that the Roar's championship winning with Phil Liam Miller unfortunately passed away far too soon. Obviously played also with Melbourne City and Perth Glory and Yale. No play for a host of clubs overseas, but it was three years ago today he unfortunately left us. Yes. And, uh, yeah, still always uh, remember his contributions for the Roar, especially that goal against the victory, which yep. I think I still just put on replay in my mind once a month. Anyway, uh, as for the current Raw squad, well, looks like uh, there are a couple of recent acquisitions that are really loving their time in South East Queensland, so much so, so much so, they've decided to extend their stay with the Raw, and those are Captain Tom Aldred and midfielder Jay O'Shea. Uh, Aldred announced on his social media that it was a three-year extension. We do not know how long O'Shea is... Well, if you listen to the clip coming up from Jay O'Shea, you will find out it's a three-year deal as well. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, thank you for that, Scott. Uh, You're welcome. Let's hear from the Royal Captain Tom Aldred now. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, No, for me, look, it was a huge decision to come to Australia in the first place. Um, Obviously, more so just the coming, uh, travelling halfway around the world to, to, to get here and obviously a life-changing decision but for me it's been probably one of my best decisions I've made in my career in terms of how I've enjoyed it, the football um, has been really good, the team that we're starting to build here has been great so um, no, look, um, when we started speaking about it at the back end of last season it was something I was interested in um, and then when we, I met with the club to speak about where the club was going to go and what they wanted to achieve, it, it, it went from there really and for me I'm obviously delighted and um, can really almost call this place a home now and and the, the football club's obviously wanting to achieve which is what I wanted to do so no, I'm delighted and 
and looking forward to the, the present and the future. And that was Aldred there, and we'll start off with him. He's the captain overall, and well, I, I think he's been a pretty phenomenal addition to the Raw side uh, in his season plus with the team, and he really does, you know, he really does bring that leadership right there. I think when he signed, yeah. we all saw him as just a natural fit as the captain, didn't we, Adam? We did. Um, it, we always, we from from the moment it was announced, you know, we always thought, you know, this is a, this is a good signing of you know great pedigree. Um, I think he was actually probably smeared a little bit by the fact of where he came from, being you know, League Two and whatnot. But look, at the end of the day, he's shown what a great player he is. And look, I think it's also uh, him and Joe Shea both re-signing long term. It's probably an endorsement as well at the state of the club at the moment. Uh, but You're the guys at Labour you know, Football Review. We'll be back know, after this. Idiotic. You know, parts of the fan base, you know, both, you know, opposing and our own. Um, look, to, to, to secret, stick around, you know, for another three years, it just shows, you know, how much they, they faith they have in the club. So, look, I think it's a great sign for both of them. And I think it's definitely their franchise players as far as building a team around them, especially with young Queensland talent, which seems to be the uh, MO for the club at the moment. It's definitely the MO at the moment. And I think they're two key pillars, James. You look at it the way they're two-thirds of the spine of the team. You want key leaders through each line of the team and Tom Aldred is absolutely that in the back line. The way he's helped marshal that defence has been absolutely remarkable. The trend, the um, the improvement or the transition from what we saw two years ago when the Raw considered that ridiculous amount of goals to what we've seen recently has been absolutely spectacular and he's been a key cog in that defence, in that really at the heart of defence, whether it's a three or a four, he's been at the heart of it and I think his, his inclusion in the, the Raw squad since his arrived has been absolutely brilliant and you're right you could see right from that first game at the old Logan training base when they played their first preseason game you could tell he was a leader right from the beginning of the way because I think he had Kai Truman on one side and Courtney Perkins on the other and he was just guiding them around it was only 45 minutes against Brisbane City or Redlands from memory and but it was he was guiding them around and and building them up and you could see it and with O'Shea again we've talked about this before now he's back playing in a more deeper midfield role where you can see or where he can see the players ahead of him and pick passes he's but they're getting the best out of him as well so I think they're two really good additions and all long term additions so I think it's it's looking really positive at the moment isn't it with the, yeah. with the fact that the way the direction the, the whole club is going to, to Adam's point you did jump the gun there on O'Shea a little bit Scott but uh, so did Adam yeah, yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> I was only yeah. playing talk once on it ah fair enough I, I, yeah, I'm really happy with this. Like, I know everyone's been saying the A-League needs you know, to promote good young local talent, but you still need players to help guide them. And that sort of veteran leadership that we've seen from Tom Aldred and O'Shea, uh, it is you know, a very valuable asset to have. And look, eventually you hope that all of these good young players for the Raw are going to try and forge a career overseas. And you know, having them as sounding board saying, when's the right time to go? When am I going to be able to handle this? It is like it is a phenomenal asset for the club to have. The one thing I will say about Tom Aldridge that I really can't get out of my head: Have either of you guys seen the first Deadpool movie? No, no. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, this is going to be a wasted reference. Yeah, <laughs> on YouTube. But I'm hoping a lot of the listeners will get it. Just on the right angle, I swear Aldridge looks like Ajax, the uh, bad guy in that movie, and I just can't. I just keep waiting for him to say, what's my name? Anyway, so that's my pop culture reference that neither of you get. I should have just talked about Star Wars or something. But, uh, I wouldn't have got, <laughs> wouldn't have got that either. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so 
there, yeah, I, I am going to have another three years of calling Tom Aldred Ajax then because I just I can't get it. I just wonder if Tom Aldred actually gets that uh, that, that reference. Uh, look, I I'm well aware of the fact that it could very easily just be something that's going on in my tiny little mind. But yeah, now that I've now that I've made the connection, I was watching the movie a couple of months ago and I was like, geez, I, I'm never not I'm never unseeing that. As for O'Shea. Let's hear uh, from the raw midfielder now. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's It's been a long time coming. Um, I think when I was in the hub, I was informed that we were going to be looking to maybe get something done. And um, yeah, I'm just absolutely delighted to get it over the line. And um, I think how much I'm enjoying my football here, uh, how much my family likes it here, it was an easy decision for me. Uh, it's got this year and another three years after that. So uh, yeah, I'm really happy to get that done. It's it's brilliant security for me and um, yeah, and for the family as well. We can start to put some foundations down now and uh, hopefully look to maybe buy a house and stuff like that. So it's really really good for me. And that was Jay O'Shea there, and yeah, I think he's like, he's grown so much this season. Obviously, like he has been a bone of contention uh, on the show from one of us, Scott. Uh, talking about uh, him not quite performing up to par in terms of expectations, but it seems like this—he's—he's he's really settled in his second season with the club, hasn't he? You're going to make me clarify this again, aren't you? So I'll clarify it again then. So in the first half, two thirds of the year when he was playing in the front third, I, I just didn't think that really suited him. And again, when he's gone back into that central midfield role with players ahead of him who he can pick passes with and play little one-twos with and things like that, he looks a lot better. And I do think where. I do think that's where he um, is best suited. And look, his his improvement this year, all three, all three, include Gillespie in this as well, who we hope is also going to be hanging around long term. The three of them have all improved over the last. Oh, really, because you think the first six weeks of the season they were really fine in their feet last year. Since then, they've all gradually improved to the point now where you look at who you think about who the best defenders in the A League are. Tom Alder would be pretty close to the top of that list. You think about who are the best creative playmakers in the A-League. Jay O'Shea is pretty damn close to the top of that list as well. So they're settled in really well. And I do think it gives you great continuity. Think back to, I don't know if people remember this, 2012 when the Raw had just gone back-to-back. They had a day where they announced six free signs. I think it was, from memory, it was Theo, Franich, Smith, Stefanudo, Broich, and Enrique from memory. And it was basically the spinal team which had won the previous two and they were hoping will continue on. And when you've got that spine, James, it gives you great clarity in terms of what the team's going to look like going forward because you know you can plug those two players in and get a certain level of performance. So I think it's it, it's really good future-proof from the Raw as well. It's more than just current, like the current team. The team in the next few years will benefit as well because they've got those two key players locked in. Yeah, I I think it's... Did that clarify my opinion on Joe Shea for you or do you need me to do it again? Uh, no, I'll find something else to throw you under the bus for cool. later on. I look um, forward to it. Now, we do have to touch on a story because, uh, obviously, Scott, you're going to need a few minutes for this as well. Uh, the manager that brought them to Brisbane is now trying to claim success for the raw success this season. I, I don't get it. It was a story on the world game. Um, Scott, can you try yep. and decipher oh. this? Okay, but before I start, you can just put a shot clock on this if you like, but if it's too short of a shot clock, I'm going to get a Nick Kyrgios-style rant at you going, so just be careful with the with the timing you have on this. He's been I'll waiting you, all I'll week for this. This is going to be worth it. I'll give you 90 seconds. Okay. Three, two, one, go. 
Alright, I'll start by giving him a slight bit of credit here, because there were some players he did bring into the squad that that have actually developed. We just talked about two of them right there with, uh, with uh, Tom Aldred and Jay O'Shea. They're two of his recruits who've come in and looked really, really good. You can include Macaulay Gillespie, who James said was not going not gonna to finish the year in the starting 11 last year and be replaced <laughs> by Aaron Reardon. So There's that boss. There's the three. There's three players who've really worked well for him. But you think about some of the other players he's brought in. Roy O'Donovan, that didn't work. Aaron, Aaron Marty Holloway, that didn't work. It wasn't until Scott McDonald came in and then, obviously, Dylan Wenzel Hall's coming into the stand lineup that the attack started to look and work in a more fluent manner. And that was, okay, McDonald arrived under Robbie Fowler, but it was under Warren Moon where Dylan Wenzel Hall's, in particular, got his opportunity. He has, he has scored six goals in ten games under the Warren Moon tutelage, and you can see the confidence and the building under Warren Moon that Dylan Wenzel Hall's has gone through. You think about some of the real key contributors this year, though, James, in addition to the ones you mentioned. R- Riku Danzaki, what's what's Robbie Fowler got to do with that? He, I can guarantee you, if he was here now, there's no way Riku Danzaki would be. Raman Akbari, he was in the squad last year, did not get barely a minute of football the entire time that he was here. This year, Warren Moon's given him an opportunity in that midfield to really step up and develop, and so far, he's looked really good. I think it was Jude James who mentioned who had his best game over the weekend, and I certainly... Oh, was Adam who mentioned that, sorry. I agree, he's getting better and better as time has gone on. So, what's he talking about? Why is he Why is he trying to claim credit for all of this? I mean, he has a couple of players there who were holdovers from his tenure who've done, done quite well. Well, but I'll give you an analogy. Go back to 2011. So did, so did Frank Farina. Frank Farina brought in Ivan Franich. He brought in Enrique. 12 months later, when the Roar are winning the championship and playing the best football this country's ever seen... I don't recall hearing from Frank for anything. Oh, I deserve all the credit for this because I brought in. This was my squad. I had Matt Mackay. I had Franich. I had Enrique, etc. No, he went. He he did. He did his job while he was here. He went away, and then he just moved off into the sunset into his next opportunity. He didn't come back and try to. I'll oh, give me credit for this. So why is Robbie Fowler? Is it because the Brisbane Roar are going really well, or is it because his team in India is sitting last on the table and he's currently got a four-match suspension? For saying something to the referees, James. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say which one I think it is, but I'm pretty sure it's the latter. It's ridiculous. You don't okay. claim credit for someone else's work after you've left. Okay. Warren Moon deserves credit for this turnaround, and he should be getting it. And I'm glad to see most people are giving him it. And breathe. Okay. Just as a point of reference, that was way longer than 90 seconds. In and that's that the last time I'm mentioning him. him on this show. I know. That, I just let him go. But in that time, Nick Kyrgios, uh Served out three points, had three arguments with the umpire and another <laughs> one with the crowd. So, go figure. Um, Adam, you got anything to add on that? Oh, look, uh, the only thing I can add... Oh, I agree with everything that Scott said on that. The only thing I just, I'd say about Robbie Fowler is it seems to me as though these comments um, are directed at a different audience. So I think I think they're directed at an audience that is not, is not us. Like we're the past. We're we're in in his mind. We're probably the insignificant lot that you know. There, he's probably talking to an audience. You know, back back. You know, which are prospective you know, employers, expect prospective future fans of a club that he may manage in the future, and sort of making maybe making some excuses of why his little Indian odyssey has been sort of underwhelming at best. So um, underwhelming. Yeah, and uh, so I think I think in the end of the day, I think the truth is that I think any rational Raw fan, and in fact most rational A-League fans, understand that you know at the end of the day, Robbie Fell, we thank you for your service uh, as Brisbane Raw manager, but clearly you know this 
the Brisbane Roar have kicked on since Warren Moon, and not just Warren Moon, but also as well the club that goes around it. Um, you know, they, they, they've, they've improved as a club as all, and you know whether he wants to take some credit or not, look, that's up to him, but I think we all know what the truth is. Okay, yeah. I, look, I do... I, I'm still of the opinion where Fowler's tenure in Brisbane can best be described as incomplete. Obviously, like, I think he does deserve credit for shoring up what was a horrendously bad uh, backline through injuries, departures, and several other factors in that 18-19 season. And he did bring in some good players. Obviously, we've seen Aldred, O'Shea, and uh, Gillespie. However, uh, he, he left. He left. That's... He's gone. Yeah, exactly. Well, one if... thing as well is that, oh. as, I, as I said before, sorry to jump in, but if... If the guys like Tom Aldrin and Jay Shea were Robbie Fowler guys, and it was tied to him, not Brisbane Royal Football Club, well, why the hell did they just sign th- three-year deals? Now, I think that's an, that's an endorsement of the club more than the guy that brought him in. So I think that argument, oh, I brought them in. Well, guess what? They're staying. They're going to they're gonna be you know potentially hundred game players for this club. Yeah, and and also uh, yeah, my yeah, and I keep going back to the theory that. I really need to get the same agent that Robbie Fowler has because I'm sure he is going to, you know, call me. Like, he'll get me on all sorts of um, interviews and book tours as a professional podcast host and football commentator. And, you know, it just completely talk up my resume. You know, I've done, what, over 150 odd shows here. And, yeah, I, you know, and I've done, you know, live radio at UQ. So, you know, why not? I've got to get that same agent because. All it is is just a phenomenal PR campaign to show, look, I shouldn't be judged by my results in India. So, yeah, it is just a blatant just drive to try and say, oh, look, I, I want another job when I inevitably get sacked from India because, let's be honest, I don't know what I'm doing. There's plenty of opportunities out there for, for nation leagues. All every Pretty much everywhere around the world, James has football. You could go to... He'd go to some to, to another country in Asia, perhaps. He'd go to New Zealand. Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. He could go to as many places he could go as a coach. Come back to yeah, the A-League? For anybody else. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne Victory preparing to hire Robbie Fowler in 5-4-3-2 because they have lost again tonight. 2-0 yeah. to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Can we make I, a rule now, James, by the way? What? That we never mention his name again on this show. I tried it, and then he said something stupid on the world game, and you insisted we talk about it. No, well, that's it. We're done now. That's it. Oh, is he, is he the new redacted? We're just not talking about him anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think we've all we've all had enough. I'm sure. Oh, okay. look. At the end of the day, look, wish him well. He does what he wants. He's I former. Don't. He's for, He's a former <laughs> manager of the club. Let's look to the future. Yes, that's it. He's a prof- yeah professional football manager. Good for him. Anyway, uh, back to on the pitch action and we will uh, have to kind of speed this up a little bit as we go along the FFA Cup is back this weekend and just to clarify it is being called the uh, FFA Cup once again for 2020 featuring some professional football players Uh, and it is some of the very local football Brisbane clubs uh, competing in uh, competing in round two and in a huge boost as well some of the games are actually getting live-streamed by Football Queensland, which I'm really buzzing about, mostly because it means I get to talk for 90 minutes again. It's great, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, I think I think you should tell our uh, our audience what game that you have been uh, 
assigned this this week, so they know to tune in. Yes, hang Mr. on, um, Mr. Professional Host, you. <laughs> hang on, um, I have to check because I only got the email about ninety minutes ago. <laughs> well, you looked. Uh, go ahead, sorry. Okay, so uh, well, Friday night. It, this is uh, Simon's mail. We'll have Moggle FC against Gatton Redbacks on uh, from Bell Barry Sports Complex. Um, getting streamed on Saturday is Southport against Oxley United. I will be doing Pine Hills against Rabina City SC, 7pm on the Football Queensland and FFA Cup Facebook page, as well as the uh, Football Queensland YouTube channel. This will not be on NPL TV, so uh, available for everybody. I suggest you go and watch all of these games. Then on Sunday, uh, Dor FC against Willowburn FC and AC Karina against Noosa Lions. Those games kick off at 3 and 4pm, respectively. And I think that's shaping up for a very fun weekend, personally. It's Pine Hills. That's your neck of the woods, Adam. You can go out there and join join James at the, well, uh, out there. I guess that game went to Rabina City. But in all seriousness, yeah. it's great to see these early round the FFA Cup games being streamed because really we haven't seen them streamed until round six, round seven. Normally is when they oh, start sorry, to Scott? pick up the coverage. So it's but it's great to see it so early in it because these teams never get seen on telev- on stream very often. So I think it's a great opportunity for all of the, for all the clubs you mentioned. That uh, will also be on Football Australia's My Football Channel. Oh, that's even better. Ooh, wow. Bit of, yeah, because there, there it is, is a good bit, though, isn't it? Because that's yeah. what the Cup's about, is these clubs at this level, we're not even up to the NPL clubs yet. These are the local Brisbane Premier League and Gold Coast League and etc. So these t- these clubs never get their chance to shine, so it's great to see them get a bit of media coverage this weekend. Yeah, no, I think it's actually... And beyond those games as well, uh, I found 31 games in all, I think, uh, I did read somewhere that, uh, this this weekend to be played. A couple other games that caught my eye as far as, you know, the schedule. I know we went through it a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Friday night, uh, Centenary versus UQFC. That will be an interesting game at Tornado Alley. Um, Very much on, so. on Saturday night, uh, a game I'm leaning towards too is uh, probably Albany Creek Excelsior versus Bethania Rams. Uh, at Walter Park, and then on Sunday, uh, Ridge Hills United, which I know, Scott, you have a affinity with. I do. Uh, they take on Tarragindi Tigers down the road, about two minutes down the road from me at Wendy Allison Park, which is an odd thing why they're playing in... That's not Ridge Hills ground. No, no, that's Pine River's ground. I don't know why, but... Some of the... I, I had yeah. a look at the draw today, and some of the uh, ties have been flipped around in terms of venue. I'm guessing because... Some of the pitches probably aren't ready for the new season, which I don't think would kick off. Uh, I think the football Brisbane doesn't kick off until March as well. I yeah, think. No, I can tell. I can tell you, Wendy Allison's looking pretty nice at the moment as I drive past every day. So it would be good to see, uh, you know, FFA Cup football return to the Pine Rivers. Definitely. Well, either way, get out to a local ground this weekend because, yeah, the FFA Cup I still maintain is. Australia's best footballing product yeah. and there is also the Kappa Women's Super Cup as well so uh, a lot more knockout cup football to get behind this season and I know the three of us will be doing just that as the competition rolls along and hopefully the weather's a bit more cooperative for round seven than it was last time the tournament was staged <laughs> okay we're going to move on now uh, W League preview got two massive games for the rule which I'm, I'm going to go all out and say this is probably going to be make or break for their season. Thursday against Western Sydney at Marconi Stadium. And then Sunday, Sydney FC at Leichhardt Oval. Oh, this is going to be a very 
excuse me, a very, very telling weekend for the Raw. Adam? Yeah, uh, look, it's, it's going to be interesting in the approach here because you think that uh, Raw may have one eye on the game on Sunday, but they should not overlook uh, Wanderers tomorrow night. Uh, the good thing about the Raw is they are unbeaten at Marconi. It's almost like, it's it's for them, it's almost like Central Coast Stadium for the, for the men. So I think there's six wins from six. Or five also, it's five. six wins from six, Adam. Yep. With yep, 15 goals scored and one against. Yeah, so, eight wins out of eight away to the Wanderers. So it's a happy hunting ground for the Raw down there, but you're right, they can't, overlook, can't look too yeah. far ahead. Whereas, yeah, and then also as well, that um, if, they, if they don't get something against Sydney uh, on Sunday, the premiership race is over as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, look, it, we've seen the Raw uh, really start to click in their last couple of matches. Obviously, they had a little bit of a scare against Melbourne City, but yeah, I, I'm genuinely looking forward to that game against Sydney FC at Leichhardt Oval. Whenever I get to watch it, I think I may have to prioritise other things on Sunday. <laughs> On the home front, um, another game that I... Actually, no, we'll go quickly into the W League uh, discussion before we uh, do that. Scott, what are we going to be talking about this time next week for the W League? Well, first, I think if the Raw get win one game of these two down in Sydney, they're in great position to make the top four. But as they can win both, that's the only way the Premiership race is still going to be alive. It's an eight-point gap currently to Sydney FC, and they've both played six games right now. So that, so Sydney will have a game in hand at the end of that, that this two-game spell, but... I think we're going to be talking about the Raw making a real statement, James. They've been getting better and better and better over the last few weeks. The, the dam finally broke down there on the Gold Coast against Melbourne Victory, and they got a good, great win down there. They followed it up with a good performance away to Melbourne City. Now they've had some time to prepare for this back-to-back trip in Sydney. I think they'll, be, I think they'll beat the Wanderers. Wanderers, I wouldn't, I'm, and I'm tipping they'll also get a result against Sydney FC as well because I think they just have to for the sake of the league. They've got to get a result and. The Raw squad's looking quite good. You look at the way they're playing at the moment, they're doing really well. Now they've got another X-Factor off the bench with Larissa Crummer, another X-Factor player in the squad. So I think we're talking about six points out of six, James. Adam, what are we going to be talking about? Um, Raw, Raw women get four out of six points from their, from their Sydney excursion. I'm going to say Mariel Hecker continues her uh, phenomenal goal-scoring form by... Stealing three points from the Wanderers and then also scoring a, ha- a 30 meter howitzer to level scores against Sydney FC. That's That'd awfully specific, I know. Yes, I know. But just on that, did, the fact that Mariel Heck has started and pretty much played every single game, James, is that a bit of a surprise? Like, you, did is. you think coming up from the NPL, maybe starting on the bench, come off the bench a little bit, but she started every game? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that, but I'm also trusting that during the week they're managing. Uh, Hecker's fitness and everything just try and get her ready for match day okay we've only got a couple of minutes before we have to wrap this up because I am starting to get really really hungry uh, A-League the Raw are hosting the Newcastle Jets this Sunday at 6.10pm Redcliffe time if I know if I'm reading that correctly yeah translate that's a normal time for us Adam yeah isn't it 5 o'clock kickoff uh, pretty sure <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I, I don't know what time zone Redcliffe actually is in anymore I- so. <laughs> Is it is it Thursday up at up in your neck of the woods? Ah, uh, I have to check that. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, uh, you got me on the on the fly here. Hang on. Yeah, it's five okay. o'clock, isn't it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's on Sunday evening. No, no, no it's five o'clock kickoff because it's it's it's, oh, okay. dire- it's directly after the women's game. So oh, that would that would be that would be why I'm reading the wrong I'm reading the blog post uh, from 
work with from my A-League preview, and that's got to be in Sydney time. My bad. Okay. Um, any changes for this match, Scott? Yeah, I think you'll see a few, actually, given having not made any changes for this game last night. There'll be a few. I think Jack Ingott probably comes back in at right fullback. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesse Daly in there, maybe in place of Akbari, just to freshen the midfield, depending on how the recovery goes. That's a 50-50 type of change. And I also think you might see a change up front with Scott McDonald maybe going back to the bench for this game, just purely because he's played two lots of 90 minutes in 72 hours. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just freshen it up a little bit. Not so much that anyone's played poorly, just just some fresh legs. I, would, I, I think there will be a few, couple changes. Yeah, I think yeah, I reckon three to four changes it could be. And again, as Scott said, I and I agree, it's not it's not drop dip and form or anything like that, or wielding the axe. I think I think it's also become it's become a squad game. And I think, you know, what we're seeing as well, um, just the profound impact of the five five subs rule. That basically it's it's starting to become two completely different games. We saw it last night, the way uh, MacArthur deployed it where they changed the game with their subs where the raw was more it was more about relieving you know players and whatnot where I think it, it, it was used tactically brilliantly by Ante Milicic and I think um, as the season goes on um, I think more more teams will be looking to basically change the, the uh, game plan completely based on their subs so and I think the raw I think we'll see that that on Sunday where I think uh, that they will that they, they'll have a few changes. But also it's on Newcastle. Congratulations to Craig Deans, who is the new official... He's the official head coach for Newcastle Jets. Um, so he will get to celebrate his his first uh, game as official head coach with most likely a loss. <laughs> so congratulations uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, does this, uh, does this count as Craig Deans uh, being responsible for a new manager boost if the Jets get something from this game? Oh, that's... Uh... Yeah, no. there we go. Think about no, it. Exactly. Think, um, I, I will actually. I would not be surprised if the Raw revert to a back four here, and pr- try and bring an extra body into midfield, possibly a Jesse Daly as well. And look, I'm, I, I do worry that if they do happen to drop Kai Truard to the bench, it will be perceived as punishment for the header that led to Derbyshire's goal on Tuesday night. Even though that was just, that was probably about the fifth error from the side in that string of play but um, yeah I do I do wonder if they're going to try and just get that extra body in midfield because we did see last time that was where they really did struggle to, con- uh, to control the game until they swapped to a back three so I do wonder if we're going to see that change okay uh, final wrap up Adam what are we going to be going to be talking about now A-League recap next week uh, Rob bounced back after uh, a loss to beat the Jets Scott well, firstly, thank goodness this game's not at Suncorp because they're all won four games out of 20 over the history <laughs> against Newcastle at Suncorp. So hopefully Dolphins saying brings a change of luck. But I think we're talking about a first start for Masato Kudo up front. All right, and I am going to say we're going to be talking about uh, Jamie Young saving a penalty and another long-range screamer from Jay O'Shea possibly off a free kick. So there we go. I'm going awfully specific with my predictions tonight. And on that note, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, James. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we should say once again a massive congratulations to Katrina Gorey. It's fantastic. A a very good uh, note to end the show on. We'll be back next Wednesday to recap a very busy weekend of Brisbane Raw football. We'll talk to you then.